Top Turtle MMA podcast on FlowCombat.com is brought to you by Human Weapon Clothing. Human Weapon is an MMA clothing line by MMA fans for MMA fans. Hey, let's face it. You're walking around your local mall. You see some dude in a tap-out shirt. You think, what a nerd. Why does every MMA clothing line have to make their t-shirts look so aggressive? It's like a tiger mounting a dragon with a human skull with two swords going through the eye sockets. It's too much. Let's calm down, people. I present to you Human Weapon Clothing. It's classy-looking, clean, and high-quality, and no one's going to be whispering about you at the mall because you look like some roided-up fanboy. Head on over to Human weapon.com enter in promo code flow that's f-l-o get yourself 15 percent off your first order human weapon clothing brings you this episode of top turtle mma podcast this is dan and dave with flow combat top turtle mma and we are here speaking with elias theodore who fights dan kelly at ultimate fight night sydney on November 19th. Uh, Elias, you know, y- you're heading into Australia where Judo Dan is uh, quite the fan favorite down there. What are your thoughts on kind of playing the villain role down in Australia? Well, I don't know about the villain. I'd say more the victor in the sense that I won Canada versus Australia. So uh, this is me trying to make the, uh, you know, the full sweep uh, against all um, comparable, competable uh, Aussies. But at the same time, I'm looking forward to going down there and uh, enjoying myself. Yeah, absolutely. And, and you know, uh, you know, kind of got off on the right foot there. Uh, let's talk about uh, what you're going to do style-wise, because obviously he's got world-class judo, uh, but he's been doing a lot of weird like foot trips and things like that to set up his striking. Uh, have you brought somebody into camp that, that can imitate judo, Dan, uh, or is it just uh, kind of the status quo when getting ready? No, um, I actually have a couple of black belt judo training partners uh, out here at TriStar. So I'm going to have uh, one of them come with me uh, to Australia, uh, Jan. He's a professional UFC fighter as well, but uh, black belt in judo and was on the national team, I believe. So, um, no, I, I think there's a lot of things that Dan is able to do because, you know, old man tricks. He's been doing this longer than I've been on this goddamn earth. So um, he has the ability to, uh, to give him an inch. Uh, he'll take a mile, and that mile is usually when wrestlers, an example, um, someone like Rashad Evans, who, uh, you know, there's certain clinches and taller uh, ties that um, Dan will put on you, and he's really good at, and then a wrestler will want to turn into him. But that's the perfect opportunity to turn the wrong leg and for him to sweep you. So, um, you know, there's a, there's a whole sequence that we're doing called standing my ground. So uh, I'm really excited to, uh, you know, kind of, say no to Dan, but take everything I want because I think everyone for some damn reason hasn't kicked his lead leg. Like, <laughs> not damn. Like, um, you know, he's really good at coming forward. He's got a lot of heart. <clears throat> and more importantly, he has something that I don't in regards to a tangible thing um, that's not necessarily tangible, rather, but he's got kids to feed. And I'm just a, uh, you know, I got a beautiful girlfriend, but uh, kind of, you know, in many ways, having fun with this and where him, this is his, this is his opportunity to get back on the track. And I'm just going to have to say no means no. Yeah. And you, you kind of mentioned that you're, you're having fun with this. Cause, and that is your kind of lifestyle, your, your Twitter persona, so to speak. I, I have to ask, you know, you, you started with getting a, a bachelor's degree in creative advertising from college. What made you make the switch to MMA, which seems to be a world apart from where you started? 
Yeah, no, definitely. Um, well, I kind of looked at mixed martial arts. Um, uh, it, it obviously became a, a fun passion. I started right at the, the same time, and I was enlightening the mind that the body should follow. And soon I, I realized they weren't just wine. Um, both my ability to learn how to learn, and I think that's what ultimately college is supposed to show you. Uh, university is supposed to show you. It's enlightenment, and um, it, it like sets you up the ability to learn to learn. Um, but no, uh, early on, I realized if I was to um, get into this professionally, I realized that there was a lot, even more intertwined in the idea that you are a product and you're selling yourself. So um, creating different, you know, uh, I would say they're, they're all true, but a little bit of uh, themes and whatnot. Uh, now being the proud owner of the main event, M-A-N-E, uh, trademark included. Um, so uh, I actually own it. Um, and again, it's, it's, it's using mixed martial arts as a platform uh, to develop inside the cage and out. Yeah, absolutely. I, and I think we spoke about this the first time you came on our show. You have certainly been one of, I guess, the better MMA fighters who it seemingly has gone out and kind of started that fire on your own. You secured that Pert Plus sponsorship, which is just absolutely perfect given your flowing locks yeah. and then obviously you're one of the most active you're pound for pound like the social media champ of the ufc always active during fights um and you know i think that's a real testament to what you've been able to done because maybe the ufc hasn't necessarily put the you know the big marketing machine behind you yet no yep i would i would uh i would agree um but again it's it's build them and they will come i, I think there was a lot of um, parallels in regards to coming out of the Ontario scene where you had to, especially when uh, the score fighting series uh, closed down, uh, you had to go elsewhere and find it yourself. And, you know, I, I would still say, obviously, there's the, the marketing aspect and component that being the first Canadian Ultimate Fighter winner will always have for me. And then that's kind of like, you know, that building and what the marketing dollars they've already put into me, uh, especially to the whole season. Um, and then, you know, I, you gotta, you gotta do it yourself in many regards. Uh, I, I'm, I'm, I'm actually really excited to add to the list. I'm now the face of Rock'em Sock'em Robots, and uh, nice. I have uh, a really cool campaign that I created that not only uh, Mattel Canada loves, but Mattel Global. So I'm now actually the uh, uh, an influencer and brand ambassador for Mattel Global. Um, and I have a bunch of other cool stuff, whether it's uh, a movie and a TV show in the works. Uh, again, I'm not just a host. I'm also a a um, producer who owns 25% of the intellectual property. And like I've also mentioned, I actually know, own my namesake. And, um, you know, that's one thing I have over Conor McGregor. <laughs> I own my name. <laughs> I mean, listen, UFC, next fighter summit. Why is Elias Theodoro not getting like 45 minutes to, uh, to, to do a TED Talk on this kind of stuff? You know, I did want to ask you, uh, I don't know if you notice, but uh, Chase Sherman is hot on your heels on Twitter as like fastest rising uh, Twitter star. He's two and two in the UFC, but all of a sudden out of nowhere, he's gained like 15,000 followers in the past few months. Have you noticed his meteoric Twitter rise? Yeah, no, he's doing some really good stuff. He's also a great dude. I, I chatted with him uh, actually at the summit, and he took heart to what one of the new um, social media uh, add-ons to the UFC team talked about in regards to gifts being uh, one of the biggest uh, and newest uh, ways to communicate because, again, it crosses all um, cultures uh, and it crosses all, uh, um, it crosses all uh, you know, language barriers uh, in regards to memes and all that jazz. Um, so, he, you know, he ran with it. Um, and also he, there's really cool stuff that he's doing in regards to, you know, 
Uh, if so-and-so, like, for instance, he, uh, I think the um, uh, events that he, that he just did for with uh, Rockhold, um, you know, attaching it, if so-and-so knocks out so-and-so, I'll, you know, follow all of the people that right. um, that uh, get it right or whatever like that or retweet it or whatever. So there's, there's a build in regards to that. He's building it because he's also um, attaching it. But at the same time, he has amazing content. He's funny as hell. Um, and there's a reason why people, you know, whether he follows you or not, are following him. And he's doing a really good job. And, he, again, another person that's uh, partnered with a um, fantastic, uh, you know, uh, product is that GIF uh, retweet product that he does, Giphy or something like that. I can't remember what it's called. Right. But um, again, it's someone else that is understanding what his brand is, and he was uh, the first to really go gung-ho with, in regards to um, GIFs, and uh, just like in any type of uh, marketing, uh, being first is king. Yeah. So, hey, any UFC fighters out there feeling like you're not getting noticed, not getting that push, GIFs is the magic answer right there that you've been missing. Um, And and it's also, um, just to interject there, it's also attaching itself to a live event. So uh, both Chase and myself, uh, we do now every single, um, well, I've been doing it for quite some time, but um, we add that extra component, that extra layer of, um, you know, social media and interactiveness that not many other athletes do. So attaching yourself to a live event and doing it consistently, consistently um, is the most important thing. Yeah. And that's something we always, we talk about on the show and we notice again, you're always so active during those live events. We can always count on a funny tweet or you retweeting a fan. And, you know, we think that's awesome because it kind of just adds to the flavor of a fight night. 110%. Um, yeah. Yeah. No, uh, 100%. Um, now, with that being said, we just had an event recently where Luke Rockhold beat David Branch on Fight Night, and I wanted to pick your brain, if you can go almost to your pro wrestling side of your brain and just play Booker for a second, the top of your division is very crowded right now. Rockhold's coming off a win, he's the former champ. Uh, Weidman's coming off a win over Gastelum, he's a former champ. You have Bobby Nux is the uh, interim champion, and then of course your fellow Canadian GSP is challenging Michael Bisping for the title in November at MSG. How do you see this playing out over the next couple of months? How do you even book the top of that division to figure out, you know, who, who the top contender is? Like, who does Bobby Nux face? Who gets the winner of Bisping GSP? Take us through it from your side of, of your thoughts. Yeah, no, I, one would assume uh, the intern champ gets a top, like a crack at whoever wins between Bisping and, uh, GSP, but you know, assumptions make asses out of all of us. Um, who the hell knows? Um, it would be honestly, it would be really fun to see um, uh, Luke Rockhold versus uh, Luke Rockhold versus Rob Whitaker. But again, Rob Whitaker is out for the next little bit, and he needs time to heal in order to compete. And that, but that's the bigger issue of these all these interim belts in the first place. Um, the whole number one contender, in some ways, has been kind of thrown awry. But um, presumably, you would assume that the interim needs to consolidate uh, with the actual um, belt. So we got to just see what uh, George gets to do against uh, Michael. But at the same time, like, you, like you've also mentioned, Luke Rockwold is getting impatient and who the hell knows, might go up to 205. Right. And I, I take it you're siding with your fellow Canadian and picking GSP over Bisping in November? It's reason not to. Reason not to. I do not want to be hung. Fair enough. Well, listen, that, a lot. That, that's actually 
that's actually the the method still. Like, we don't have the death penalty in Canada, except for treason, and that's either by firing squad or hanging, so... <laughs> Holy crap. <laughs> right. So you have to support GSP and you have to support Bret Hart. Um, exactly. <laughs> Elias, we can't thank We cannot thank you enough for the time, Elias. We love catching up with you and just picking your brain when it comes to the marketing aspect of the business and everything else. And Elias fights Dan Kelly at Ultimate Fight Night Sydney on November 19th. Elias, thanks so much for the time and best of luck in that fight. My, my appreciation for the time as well. And uh, thank you so much. There you have it, Elias Theodoro. That interview was brought to you by Dead Frog Brewery. Dead Frog is an award-winning craft brewery brewed in small batches, no preservatives or pasteurization. What that basically means to you is it's made from the best stuff on earth, but it ain't Snapple. It's delicious craft beer. We highly recommend the Steel Toe Lager and the Green Magic IPA. Whether you're a lager or an IPA, guy or gal, head on over to deadfrog.ca. Check out those two beers, both available in cans. Tell them Top Turtle sent you. Gumby, what did you think of Elias Theodoro? Ah, I, I mean, I like always when we talk to him. He's got such like, an insight on becoming a marketing machine behind yourself because we always talk about the UFC marketing people. Uh, and, and it's I, I think what he's saying is so important that it is important for fighters to find the right way to market themselves as well. Well, And what did you take as far as the right way to market yourself? I mean, he, he, he makes a point, like making sure that you are interacting on social media. You're not just mm. running your mouth on social media because mm. I think that's something that is so popular to do, right? Somebody gets on social media, you know, make it say Mike Perry, you know, Mike Perry gets on social media and he shits all over everybody in the 170 division or Colby Covington gets on social media and he shits all over Demian Maya and, and Robbie Lawler. And, and yeah, we're, we're here talking about that right now. So clearly that worked a little bit, but it doesn't work in the way of getting fans, right? Shitting on other fighters isn't the way to do it. But like, you know, he's answering their questions every single day. He's talking to them all the time. And he's right about what Chase Sherman's doing, too. He's interacting, finding ways to interact with people. Yeah, I think that's a really good point. And it is funny in this McGregor era, I think a lot of people try to imitate the shit talking. And it just doesn't come off as natural the way it happened with McGregor. Yeah, and I, I think that's so true, too. Because, like, they see the McGregor blueprint. But what you don't realize on why it worked with McGregor is that's because that's who he is. He is that shit talk. Like, he was born talking like that. It's not something he was like, oh, that guy's doing it, and it's going real well. I'll do it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm with you completely. So we always love having Elias Theodoro on. Uh, very interesting middleweight to see where his career goes. I think he's been on kind of the bubble where you feel like, ah, he's going to break out and yeah. go on that run. Yeah, and he needs that signature win that's going to get him over the hump. Yes, 100%. All right, so, you know, speaking of, let's say, signature wins, I wanted to talk about the UFC recently announced five fights that I think we could consider number one contender fights, but let's play yay or nay. Are these number one contender fights? Because you just never know, really, with the UFC. Especially in this era, man. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, between injuries and William Morris endeavors, I think still getting their feet wet on just how to really properly book up-and-coming fighters and number one contenders and building to title matches people want to see. Let's go through it, and we'll start at heavyweight. Naganu versus Overeem. Uh, Is this a number one contenders fight in essence i think it's gotta be right because uh, so the other people you would consider getting a shot are kane who apparently hasn't trained in eight months so So, he's out so he's out verdum but i can't imagine verdum with a win over Derek lewis takes precedent over overeem who overeem just beat verdum right uh correct overeem just beat verdum and naganu who's like 
you don't even need a marketing machine behind Naganu. He like walks into a room and you pay attention. So I think yes, this is the the winner of this one will fight Stipe next. And do you see any credence to the idea that uh, you know with Naganu, what is it, four wins in a row? This would be five. I think it's five. Maybe he's on the way to six. I- internal, check that out yeah. in a second. But, but the point being is does Naganu need one more win after this or once he be if he beat the big name of Overeem you're confident this is it shit to me if you didn't give him Overeem and you just gave him a title shot off of beating Arlovsky I would have bought it for two reasons Whoa, one that's he's big a words. one he's a freak okay he's his physical specimen and watching him go up against Stipe is already enough for me to tune in two I mean in the depth of that division, I mean, if Overeem was already booked, I-, I would have been fine with him getting the title shot there just because it's so thin in that division. So he is on a five-fight win streak with the biggest name he beat is decrepit Andre Arlovsky, uh, Anthony Hamilton, Curtis Blades, Luis Enrique, and Bojan Milakshevic. Uh Curtis Blades is pretty decent, though. He's in top 15 now, too, so he's got a couple of top 15ers in there. Yeah, but he does need that signature win. So this one, for this me, is does it. it. Yeah, yeah this I, is I mean, it. I think yeah. Overeem I, right now is ranked number one. So I, Listen, the heavyweight division is so thin. I'm just kind of being a stickler right now. Mm-hmm. I think if he got the title shot after Arlovsky, I'd be like, I mean, is this really the era we're living in yeah it's the era we're living in but this to me absolutely number one contender fight and if he beats Overeem who just challenged Stipe for the title and for a couple of seconds put him in a little bit of danger yeah. uh, before shooting for that uh, takedown right or, before, or, before no, Stipe got sti- in his guard yeah. and knocked him cold from his guard well no I was going to say though uh, Overeem had the guillotine on him oh, and yeah. it actually looked very close because yeah, he's got good jiu-jitsu too people forget about that his which, makes, nasty. which makes the fight with Naganu even more interesting to that's me. true I didn't yeah. even think about yeah, that we could uh, test Naganu jiu-jitsu yeah and the only jiu-jitsu we've seen is that he one rips crazy. kimuras yeah. <laughs> um he has uh two kimura wins doesn't he oh no just one just just that the one over in the anthony UFC, hamilton yeah. all right so we, the answer there is yes yep. it is a number one contenders fight that takes place at ufc 218 on december 2nd of this year all right the next one you have dominic cruz the former champ at 135 is going to be fighting jimmy rivera is this a number one contenders fight I'm going to go with neither yay nor nay. I'm going to go with maybe. Okay. Uh, And that's such a fucking cop-out. But if Cody Garbrand beats TJ Dillashaw, this is a number one contender fight. Mm Mm-hmm. Because watching Cody versus Dominic 2 would be good. Watching Cody versus Jimmy Rivera would be good. I'd be down for either of those. If TJ Dillashaw beats uh, Garbrand. Garbrand. You might get Garbrand run back again, especially if Jimmy Rivera finds a way past Dominic Cruz. Because you don't think they want to run Jimmy Rivera as a title contender? I don't think they want to run Jimmy Rivera versus TJ Dillashaw. I would say that's the one instance that this is not happening. The one instance where you're not going to see this happen is if TJ and and, uh, Jimmy Rivera win. Other than that, it's definitely a number one contender fight. Well, what I will say is I love 135-pound divisions so much. It's an inverse hatred I have for 125. I love 135. I cannot stand 125. All these matchups excite me. And they've got even better guys on the way, too, because freaking uh, Sean O'Malley off the Contender Series is, like, super exciting. They're just plugging dudes into that division now. Rob Font, John Lineker over there. There's so many. And John Lineker's got a fight coming up, too, with Marlon Vera, which is fucking super exciting. I I, I love the 135. 
135 pound division. I'm fine with all those fights. I'm going to say yes, this is a number one contender's fight, but I do give credence to what you're saying that, you know, as far as big names go, obviously Jimmy Rivera, no, not really. But does Jimmy Rivera even have a loss in the UFC? I, he doesn't. And I'm pretty sure overall he's this, he's 21 and one in his career, I want to say. Jeez. Yeah. That's like and the, he's on like a 17 fight win streak or some goddamn thing. I, it's the most underrated record in the UFC. Oh, undoubtedly. Undoubtedly. Uh, uh, let's just have the intern pull it up here. He's, yeah, 21 and one in his career, never lost in the UFC, 5 and 0 oh in the and, UFC. And I think his loss came in like 2011 or something like that. With wins over Thomas Almeida, a once hyped prospect, uh, Uriah Faber, the legend, uh, Uri Alcantara, Pedro Munoz, and Marcus Brimage. I yeah. mean, those are pretty good names. Marcus Brimage being the worst name on there, and then probably Uri Alcantara, which is crazy good. Hey, you know who else Marcus Brimage lost to via KO in their first UFC fight? Cody Garbrandt. Uh, I was going to say Conor McGregor. Oh, I think he lost to Cody Garbrandt, too. Wait, that up. The, I'm, wait, pretty sure, that's amazing. I'm pretty sure that motherfucker has had to fight Dude, everybody. <laughs> this guy is like Virgil in the WWE. Like He just makes superstars. He's the jobber that loses to the superstars. Sure. So, obviously, Conor. And then, yes, he did lose to Cody, but was it Cody's first fight? Let's look that up. And survey says, yes, it was. So, yes. <laughs> Marcus Brimage has lost to, by KO, Cody Garbrandt. Conor McGregor and Jimmy, Jimmy Rivera, Rivera. All in their debuts. All in their debuts. <laughs> He's the debuting That's fighter brutal, for potential man. superstars. All right, I'm glad we uh, just uncovered that. Then all right, you get your UFC debut, we'll make sure you get uh, Marcus Brimage first. Exactly. <laughs> uh, so then we got um, Brian Ortega is going to be taking on Cub Swanson. Very interesting matchup at 145 pounds. 145, also a division with a ton of depth. What say you is Brian Ortega versus Cub Swanson a number one contender fight? I, I'm, I don't know. Uh, I think that this one's so tricky because the Jose Aldo question hasn't been answered yet. And not that Jose Aldo right now has a claim to fight Max Holloway again, right? Like, he's not even close. I, I could never see that fight again and be fine. Why? Yeah, but at the same time, you're kind of like, if he chooses to come back, say, you know, Holloway beats Edgar, and Aldo chooses to come back, and he, like, beats somebody like, I don't know, Ricardo Lamas, who's mm -hmm. on a two-fight win streak, mm -hmm. uh, and he beats Ricardo Lamas, is Aldo then in the title contention too? So it's not that I don't think that the winner of Cub Swanson and Brian Ortega deserves it. But I think that there's just too not enough name value on some of those, especially Ortega, that makes us feel like if they win that fight, like, hell yeah, we got to have it. Plus, you know, not for anything. I don't want to take anything away from Ortega's wins. That dude has been this close to losing about fucking seven times recently. He was getting his ass kicked by Clay Guida, and he landed the knockout knee with 40 seconds left. That last fight he was fighting, he, he got beat up by... I can't even remember who he was fighting. He got beat up by him, and he put him away in the last second. Also with a guillotine, I'm pretty sure. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, so, I mean, like, he's got a claim to the top... But at the same time, like, I, I just don't know. All right. That's totally fair. And I agree with you. I would not call this a number one contender's fight because there are just so many people here in the mix. I mean, you have so many exciting fighters at 145. Yair Rodriguez, Duhu Choi. He's ranked 12th. Even Mursad Bektik at 13. Uh, you know, Darren Elkins at number nine. Oh, God. Uh, what Darren is, Elkins. What a great story, so Darren Elkins. Is he a number one contender? No, not yet. But I, my point is... 
Uh, there are just so many people at 145. I think they can let this division play out and really let a contender emerge. I'll also say I saw the debut of Zabit last month or two months ago. Oh, Zabit. I, I put all my money on him being a future uh, title challenger. You should probably look at what they, you can get in a sports book for calling you know a Zabit title championship by like 2019. Right, right. Probably clean up. All right, you have the Ultimate Fighter coaches currently. Uh, they're going to fight at the end of the year. Uh, Justin Gaethje and Eddie Alvarez, is that a number one contender? Fight. So this one's complicated too, because obviously the Connor question completely murks this. And then you got Habib in there. I- I'm gonna say no. Um, well, it obviously isn't because Kevin Lee and Tony Ferguson are fighting this weekend. We'll break that down in a second. That's your number one contender fight. Well, yeah, in essence. if you don't count an interim. But like, could the winner of that fight Ferguson before Connor fights Ferguson? Well, who I knows? keep saying Ferguson. I mean, Lee is also an option, but like, I think it's gonna be Ferguson. Um, but yeah, no, I don't think the winner of this fights either of them. Maybe the winner of this fights Habib. Yeah, and yeah. that makes a lot more sense to me. This is not a number one contender fight. I'm going to spoil it right now. I, I will tell you that if you watch Justin Gaethje go in there, if he does to Eddie Alvarez what he did to Michael Johnson with that same level of excitement, you might want to book him with Connor while he's hot. Yeah, and well, Connor did mention Connor. This was huge to me. Connor mentioned a few names this week. You know, he talked about GSP as a super fight. He said he didn't think GSP would beat Bisping, whatever. But he mentioned obviously the Nate trilogy, top of everyone's mind. He mentioned both Ferguson versus Kevin Lee. I'm sure the UFC basically told him you need to hype that fight because this is going to sell negative, you know, pay per view buys. And um, he mentioned Justin Gaethje and Eddie Alvarez's name, and I thought that was massively huge for Justin Gaethje yeah. to be mentioned by the number one fighter in the world, the money ticket. One, one fight into his UFC career. That's huge. One fight. That is ab- all it took. absolutely huge. Oh, by the way, I wanted to step back a second. The Brian Ortega Cup Swanson bout will take place uh, on December 9th at Fight Night 123. So just wanted to inform our fans of that. And... Um, yeah, so uh, I think Gaethje versus Alvarez in the mix, in, in the, the mix. All right, and then the other one is Jorge Masvidal versus Stephen Wonderboy Thompson at 170 pounds. Your thoughts? I'm going to say no, but only because I really, truly believe that next on the docket is going to be RDA. Um, for and, uh, Tyron Woodley? For Tyron Woodley, yeah. I, and, and a bunch of people are saying, put him in there with Lawler, put him in there with Lawler, put him in there with Lawler. I don't even think he needs to be Lawler. And, you know... Neil Magny, again, we talked about getting a whether or not Naganu could have a title shot after beating uh, you know, Andre Arlovsky, and that seems silly. And it seems silly to give RDA one coming off a win over Neil Magny. But like, why not? He's got a championship in his career, right? He's a former 155 pound champ who's looked better at 70 than he did at 55. So why can't we run him out? just on the the laurels that he was a champion before. Well, I disagree with you. We've had this talk before. I just don't find the win over Magny to be anything that you give a title shot off of. Magny's horrific on the ground. We know this. RDA exposed it. Good for him. But at the same time, Magny's ranked 10th. Well, well, that's what I was about to say. The division is so thin that I think he's in the mix. To me... You know, this is not a number one contenders fight because if Thompson wins, no one wants to see Woodley versus Thompson again Three, after yeah. what happened in the second no, one. Ter- or the first. Well, the first one was good. At the least, first one was at least good. Yeah. But if Masvidal wins, okay, now we're kind of in the mix. Masvidal versus Woodley. That's very interesting. The other problem I have with 170 pounds is the UFC let the best 170 pound walking the planet today go to Bellator. Yeah. And that really puts a stain on the division. 
to me. Yeah. But I don't know. I, I don't even know why I bring that up. I just wanted to bring it up. Yeah. Well, uh, and you get you got to bring it up when you're talking about 170 because he's beaten almost all the guys we're talking about. He beat Woodley. He beat Woodley. He uh, beat Maya. He went toe-to-toe with fucking Robbie Lawler in the most exciting fight I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> right. So, I mean, like, you got to give it to him and you got to mention him when you're talking about the best. All right. So the Thompson-Masvidal uh, fight is going to take place at UFC 217 in MSG. That's on November 4th. And I want to step back a bit because I failed to mention that Justin Gaethje versus Eddie Alvarez will take place at UFC 218 on December 2nd but again they are coaching the ultimate fighter so you can watch uh, week after week as they talk shit as only the ultimate fighter coaches can all right Gumby let's move on now we have UFC 216 coming up we'll do a breakdown but I want to mention that this breakdown is brought to you by Sisu Mouthguard Sisu makes the world's most thinnest lightweight durable mouthguard you can talk you can breathe you can drink all with the mouth guard in your mouth. It is a feat of science that you can talk with a mouth guard in your mouth. This ain't your grandmama's mouth guard. It's the holy mouth guard of mouth guards. Head on over to sisuguard.com. Find the right mouth guard for your sport or activity. That's sisuguard.com. Tell them Top Turtle sent you. Gumby, let's break down UFC 216, headlined by your man crush, Tony Ferguson, <laughs> uh, headlining his first pay-per-view versus a rising star at 155 pounds, Kevin Lee. Uh, Tony Ferguson is coming off a eight-fight win streak. Uh, nope, sorry, a nine-fight win streak. It's Max Holloway-esque. <laughs> uh, recently beat... RDA last November via decision, uh, beat Lando Venata with a Darce choke before that, beat Edson Barbosa with a Darce choke before that. He has three Darce chokes in the UFC. The man knows how to Darce choke. Kevin Lee, uh, who we have had on the show and is a very entertaining interview, great on the mic, as they say, can cut a promo, as they say, in professional wrestling, is coming off a very big win, albeit controversial, but a win nonetheless. Uh, rear naked choke of Michael Chiesa. You can look up what happened happened there. Mario Yamasaki took a lot of heat uh, for calling the bout before Chiesa technically tapped, uh, but he beat Francis Trinaldo before that with a rear naked choke and beat Magomed Mustavov with a rear naked choke before that. It's almost like the battle of the rear naked chokes versus the Darce, uh, a rear naked choke versus a Darce. That is certainly Kevin Lee's finisher, the rear naked choke. The Darce is certainly his finisher if they were Mortal Kombat characters for Tony <laughs> Ferguson. Lee on a five fight win streak. Who you got? I'm going to go with Ferguson. And, you know, you, you mentioned that he's my man crush, but it's more so than that. To me, you're right. He he has a really good Darius choke. But what people forget about why that Darius choke works all the time is because of his defensive wrestling. He just fought fucking uh, Rafael Dos Anjos at 155. And he beat him handedly, or at least in my opinion, handedly. It was a one-sided decision in my opinion. Because RDA can't get him down and knew he couldn't get him down. And all of those other Darius jokes come from sprawls and finishing. I mean, uh, probably not the Barboza one, but the other two come from sprawls and finishing. And, and to me, that's the difference in this game that Lee is not going to light him up on the feet. Okay. There, there's nobody out there saying right now that Lee's going to light him up on the feet. Freaking Tony Ferguson fights longer and is longer than Kevin Lee. Kevin Lee is like a little ball of muscle. And to me, he can't get in on, on Tony Ferguson. And if he does, he's not going to be able to finish getting down on Tony Ferguson. Uh, and that's that 10th Planet Brown belt uh, for you. So I, I'm going to go with Tony Ferguson because I think he keeps it on the feet. And I think that makes it a more exciting fight, to be honest with you. 
Uh, nope, I agree with you completely. Uh, I'm not going to argue with anything you just said there. I think that was an excellent breakdown. Tony Ferguson, the minus 210 favorite, to Kevin Lee, the plus 175 dog. Co-main event, a fight I could not care less about. Uh, I am the biggest hater on 125 pounds. I wasn't always that way. It's just come to be. He's become jaded, ladies I've, and gentlemen. I've become very <laughs> jaded. Uh, and it's not in like one of those ways where it's like, oh, they're too small, although that's part of it. It's just the way it's been marketed. It's just the fact that the division has no depth. It's just the fact that I know Demetrius Johnson wouldn't be as good as we consider him if he was fighting the likes of Cody Garbrandt and Dominic Cruz, who he has lost to before, and TJ Dillashaw, and gone up to 135 where the competition is thick and heavy. Anyway, Demetrius Johnson's on a million-fight win streak. No one gives a fuck. (laughs) Ray Borg is on a two-fight decision win streak, just has two decision wins in a row. But hey, they got no one else because it's the goddamn 125-pound division. Demetrius Johnson, because this fight is so competitive, a co-main event, mind you, almost main evented last uh, month's pay-per-view, but Borg got diarrhea. Demetrius Johnson, a (laughs) minus-1250 favorite. Ray Borg, a plus-800 dog. This, ladies and gentlemen, is the 125-pound division. Gumby, break it down. Tell me how Ray Borg's going to win. Uh, I mean, I wish I could tell you how Ray Borg is going to win because I do love Ray Borg. Uh, I think I, w- I said this when we broke it down when they were f- supposed to fight before, right? Because we did the breakdown already on this. The the only thing I will say about the Ray Borg fight is that I'm interested in the fact that he's never fought somebody like this. And yeah, we hear that fucking all the time, right? He never fought a wrestler like Henry Cejudo. He never fought a guy with a guillotine like Joseph Benavidez. He never fought this. He never fought that. He's never fought a guy who's willing to take risks on the ground. And that's my real opinion of what Ray Borg has that his other contenders don't. Do I think that's going to cause trouble for Mighty Mouse? No, but what I think it does is it gives us an opportunity to see what Mighty Mouse brings. And and that's really all we can hope for at this point in time, for a different type of challenger to show just how dominant he is. Uh, Very Yeah, well said. Very exciting fight at heavyweight. You have Derek Lewis, uh, plus 200, versus Fabricio Verdum, the former champion, minus 240. Who you got? Uh, I've gone back and forth on this fight a whole bunch of times. To me, if you're looking for an upset on the main card, Derek Lewis might be your guy. Because right now, do you think Fabricio Verdum has put in away power? Uh, He doesn't have putting away power, but I think he has the cardio to drag Lewis into that third round. I mean, I almost like Verdum better if this was a championship or number one contenders fight with a fourth and fifth round. And then obviously, uh, Jits-wise, if this hit the ground. Yeah, there's no way Derek Lewis wants this shit on the ground. (laughs) I mean, if he goes for a takedown on on Verdum, it's over. Yeah, I mean, I I really truly believe that. And for people who think I'm I'm underselling Derek Lewis's skills, the dude subbed Fedor from his back, and the dude subbed Kane. Velazquez from his back so if you think he can't sub fucking Derek Lewis that's another thing but I, I think Derek Lewis has got a good chance on the feet I mean if he just tries to bully him a little bit catches him early but you're right it, it, it being a three-round fight is definitely a saving grace for Derek Lewis if you're looking for an underdog to pick pick Derek Lewis but the safe pick here is Verdun by sub yeah, absolutely. Uh, pretty good fight. Also rounding out the main card, you have Benil Darush, a minus 240 favorite, and Evan Dunham, a plus 200 dog. Yeah, I like Benil Darush here just because I, I think he's been super underrated uh, his whole career. And not that Evan Dunham hasn't either, really, but Evan Dunham uh, probably isn't going to outgrapple somebody like Benil Darush, who's like a very high level black belt, in my opinion. He's only really been outgrappled by uh, Michael Chiesa since he's been in the UFC. But it's a guy with a win over fucking Michael Johnson. 
James Vick, Jim Miller, Darren Crookshank, although he grappled up Darren Crookshank, so um, not much to be said there. But yeah, I think Benil Dariush by grappling here is the correct answer. All right, I like it. Well, uh, why don't you give us, Gumby, you're the biggest MMA nerd I've ever met, why don't you give us a fighter or a fight to look out for? The prelims are on FXX and the uh, early prelims are on Fight Pass. I think everybody should always watch Lando Venata's uh, fights because I think he's like one of the most exciting dudes on the planet and he's stepping in there with a guy who likes to throw down the same way he does and that's Bobby Green so watching Lando versus Bobby Green is going to be such a fun fight Uh, you absolutely can't miss that one just because it's going to be fireworks no matter who wins the other one that I would say you have to watch if you're a fan of prospects is Tom Duquenois from France is just an absolute animal I'm pretty sure he's going up to 45 to fight another prospect in Cody Stammen here Mm -hmm. even though he's better at 35 in my opinion he's probably just like one of those young guys who's now realizing that he uh he probably can't continue to make 35 for the rest of his life because he's only 24 years old um and he's 24 years old and and he's been uh just like on an absolute tear and his ufc debut made me super excited so i'm super excited for this one too so uh definitely watch bobby green and lando watch tom Dukenois versus cody stammen and uh i'm a big fan of mark godbeer I, I know uh he hasn't gotten a lot of credit at heavyweight but he's fighting walt harris and that should be a fun one to watch too uh mark godbeer out of england right yeah he He's out of the UK. He's a kickboxer. He has been training a little bit in uh, Scotland, I've noticed. He's been training with uh, Paul Craig up there and Paul Craig's coach at the Scottish Hit Squad. Um, so he's definitely like roaming around, training a little bit better. And uh, he's exciting, man. One and one in the UFC. All right. Well, that breaks down our UFC 216 preview. Uh, we can't thank you enough for listening. Head on over to Twitter. Follow the show at Top Turtle MMA. If you want to email the show, we're accepting both love and hate mail. Top Turtle MMA at Gmail. I am David Tremonti. He is Daniel Gumby Reeland. This is Top Turtle MMA podcast on flowcombat.com. Thanks so much. We'll be back next week.